So I have an idea for a cold open. If it doesn't work, I have others so we can kill it. But I was having this thought today and I want to, I want to play a little game, a little round robin. So we're all fans of my brother, my brother and me, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the McElroy family of podcasts. And I was wondering, which brother do you think will be the most likely to be a guest on our show? I want to... <sighs> Y'all most a, likely, most or, most likely, or what we who we would want the most, most likely, most likely to actually come. Well, how about both? Most likely first, and then the one you would like. But that feels mean. I don't, yeah, that, yeah. Let, that Let's just do most like likely. Yeah. Most likely, we love you all, McElroys, all yeah. equally. I it's between Griffin and Travis. I feel like Justin would be like, "That's too fucking weird for me. I can't handle it." <laughs> what about um, you, Jim? I feel like it's Travis. Yeah. I feel like Travis would be the one to be like, that's the weirdest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, I feel like Travis is the one that is gonna like, is gonna go for it. Especially if it's like, outside of like, the norm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I totally agree. I thought about this. I was like, it didn't really, I didn't really think that long. I was like, it's definitely Travis. I will say. With some coercion though, we could get all three. (laughs) It would okay. I don't know, but all three is a, a tall order. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do know. think, or now, maybe not all together. I just mean like we could get individually, just if we played our cards just I right. I think Griffin would be a hard one to get. Really, I think he's the least likely. I will say the reason I think this is because um on Instagram I found gosh what's this person's name? It's an illustrator named Alec Robbins mm-hmm. who does this comic or did a comic called Mister Boop. Uh, basically, the premise is that Betty Boop is his wife and they have sex and orgies with random popular characters. Oh. And Justin was in a video where they were doing this like apology, like, we forgive you, Mr. Boop. It's a long story. <laughs> mm-hmm. But because of Justin's participation in that, we might be able to coerce him into coming. Coerce him sounds, cor- <laughs> that sounds bad. Yeah. But we might be able to get him, but definitely Travis. Travis would be the easiest get. And yeah. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. He would be the most down the clown. Yeah, for sure. The most down to like, just do something real silly. Yeah. 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 Like, because, yeah. you know, in the beginnings of their show, like they were doing these advertisements for uh, this like kink store called Extreme Restraints. Mm. And they actually learned a lot about like kink scenes and culture through that. Or at least that's what I hear. So like, you know, we might be able to get them. Yeah. One of my favorite bits was them doing an ad for that during their candle night special where they couldn't say exactly what the mm-hmm. products were. <laughs> so they started just like talking around it. And I, they were so good. It was like, do you need a bigger leash for your dog? And things like that. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard that one. Cause like in candle nights, the, the deal is it's family friendly and you can't cuss. Mm-hmm. If you do a cuss, you get to put money in a jar or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. But it was something that crossed my mind today because I was thinking about Twitter because of Elon. Um, and then I was thinking about like, because, you know, the McElroys are very active on Twitter. And I was like, 
we get the McElroys on our show? And I was like, who would be the most likely to come on me? But yeah, it's definitely Travis. There's no question, mm-hmm. really. <laughs> if you hear this, Travis, we love you. Travis, come on our show. Yeah, that was an official invite. Yeah, yeah, this is an invite to every one of the McElroys. Yeah, absolutely yeah. every single one of the McElroys because I love them all. your extended family. We'll get oh, yeah, Clint the on here. Yeah, oh. we'll get Clint oh, on here. Clint McElroy. I would, I would love he, He's got Clint. voices. He does yeah. the voices. He did radio. This would. This is a, a, a torture idea is to get all four of them on and make <laughs> them listen to their dad <laughs> talk to yes. us about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. We've got a, I've oh. got a plan now. I'm not trying to hurt the McElroys. I just want to talk to them and know that I want them to know I love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Let's, let's, let's get into it. So, welcome to Love at First Sighting, sex-positive, kink-friendly, thirsty conversations about the monsters and cryptids that traverse our backyards and our imaginations. I'm Joyce, my pronouns are she, they, and I'm your resident cryptid researcher, bringing you the Monster Book Report. As always, I am joined by Jim. Hey, I'm Jim, and I'm here to rep the monster fucker and all of us, and I'm bringing the monster porn. Hell yeah. Um, Also joining me is Coco. Hey, I'm Coco, and I'm the layman in the ways of cryptids, but I'm always down to learn and fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Trying out something new. (laughs) I liked it. I like it, too. Feels Mm -hmm. good. All righty, y'all. So uh, today's episode's a little bit different. We're definitely going to talk about creatures and monsters, as we do, Um, but we're going to focus on one particular person's encounters with a group of entities. Uh, This episode is kind of coming together of all our interests, you know, monsters, sex and sexuality, and art. So buckle up, my friends. All right, we're going to talk about <clears throat> the encounters of David Huggins. <laughs> That's his actual name. There's no joke. <laughs> like, do you have to have a really good name in order to even see cryptids and aliens? Is that like a rule that I... Is this why I haven't seen them? Is my name's not good enough? I th- I mean, like... That's definitely why. So, just to let you know. Yeah, I mean... We all have to change our names now. I mean... I already changed mine. <laughs> but it's still <laughs> just as boring. <laughs> I'm just but saying, Mr. D. Huggins, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what was that thing you said the other day? Nomen of determination or yeah, something? Yeah. So, maybe. Maybe. Mm. So... So David Huggins is an artist currently living in Hoboken, New Jersey. He is 78 years old. He grew up in a He grew up on a farm in Georgia, later moving to New England to study art. Uh, currently he works part-time in a deli but otherwise spends most of his time painting. Uh, but the unique thing about David and his artistic practice is that all of his artwork chronicles his encounters with alien beings. His art is impressionistic, it's narrative, and at times symbolic. All of it has kind of like this really eerie beauty mm-hmm. and atmosphere to it. Specifically, a piece called Her Eyes. Ooh. Woof. Have you seen it, Woof. Coco? No. Yikes. Yikes. Let me, I do, I do a Google. I do a Google. I'm, yeah, I'm doing okay. that right now. Okay, too. do that Google. Yeah, you keep going. L- look at this thing. So through his painting and writing, David says the memories of his encounter come back. To, let me try that again. Through painting and writing, David says the memories of his encounters come back to him. And it's obvious that David uses these paintings as a way to work through what happened to him. 
his artwork is a great kind of catharsis for him. He says that after he started painting his experiences, his sleep had become better and more restful and he felt more, it was more restorative. And he's found that he's, um, he has found peace and emotional stability since. David's interactions with these beings seem to be a mix of physical and out-of-body experiences. He describes some incidents as dreamlike. And the beings at times will use dreams to communicate with David, though more often than not, it's physical. They're physically present. I mean, have you found that uh, image yet? No, I keep getting, I mean, I found his artwork, but when I type in her eyes, I don't. Let me, let me do a quick Google. Wait, is it? Yeah. Okay. Found it, found it, found it. Creeps, creeps me the fuck out. (laughs) Not going to lie. Like looking at a black hole or an eclipse. Yeah, it's or like a particularly evil Furby. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't start with my facts. It's so good. I mean, I'm just gonna say it. (laughs) Particular. I mean, they're all they're all kind of evil. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did you see that tweet about the Furby controller? That had the whole like, yeah. Oh man. I, you should check. Uh, I'll send you the link to it. Okay. But we had like a whole Twitter thread with this person writing like a story based off of me making a comment on a terrifying image, and like I, I'm in love with it. It was, oh, it was fantastic. Love it. Yeah. All right. I'll it was to... like a short horror story about a Furby controller. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll check that out. Yeah. <laughs> um. So back to David. Uh, His first encounter happened when he was eight years old. Uh, David remembers playing under a tree on his family's farm when he suddenly heard a voice say, David, behind you. When he turned around, he was face to face with a small hairy creature. Think like mini Sasquatch Mm. with glowing yellow eyes. He said he felt for a moment he could see through the creature's eyes and saw himself staring back. This understandably freaked him out and he ran. After some running, he looked back and he saw the entity kind of disappearing into the woods. His second encounter was with an insect-like being when he was fetching something from the barn. Upon seeing this creature, he screamed and the entity sprayed him with a bluish-gray liquid. From his retelling, it didn't seem to affect him in any way. The only thing he noted about the liquid otherwise was that it evaporated quickly off of him. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I know. So the next set of beings he would encounter are more your traditional gray alien, but they were like much shorter, kind of like a child's height. Uh, per the documentary about him, which we'll get into. This is one of the first times he remembers being taken to a craft. On the craft, one of the smaller beings held him while another taller being with long black hair stick, stuck a rod up his nose. Uh, David theorizes he was being like chipped or tagged. You know how they do like animals. Um, he cries out and tells the taller being, you hurt me, you hurt me. And with that, the entity waved a hand over him and made the pain go away. Uh, David would encounter this tall being with black hair many times throughout his life. Many of these interactions are of a far more intimate nature. (laughs) Get to it. I also just like the idea that the alien was like, oh, my bad. Here we go. (laughs) Whoopsie doodles. Sorry. Uh, David has seen various spacecrafts throughout his interactions with these beings. He describes the ships often as round and bright. From his paintings, they kind of look like fat, flat pancakes. (laughs) Uh, when a craft is around, he says it is always accompanied with total silence. He describes it as a beautiful silence. At 17, David lost his virginity to a female extraterrestrial, as he is quoted in an interview. 
The incident happened one day when he was walking in the woods and happened upon a woman. The woman gets up and walks towards him. He cites at this point he was overwhelmed by a feeling of sexual arousal. He like he was just like trying to rip his pants off and he quickly took them off, laid on the ground. The entity climbed up on top of him. David says that the climax was extremely intense, almost painfully so. He remembers looking into her eyes and then passing out. When he comes to again, huh? Dope. (laughs) (laughs) He says, yep. Yep. To add to that, he, when he came to, he woke up in a state of confusion as to why his pants were down. And um, so it seemed like maybe he experienced lost time, which Mm -hmm. is something a lot of alien abductees experience and maybe some missing memory. This woman, or at least that's how he refers to them, is the aforementioned tall being with black hair. David would come to refer to this entity as Crescent. Wait, so the tall being with black hair that put the rod up his nose the first time, then then waved their hand, that is the same Who he lost his virginity to, yes. Okay, okay. Yep, yep, Mm, yep, yep. Crescent, as David describes her, has a very nice human-like body, aside from her elongated fingers and pale face like a gray alien with large eyes. And as you may have already figured out, this is a body it was of someone with a vulva, a sign female birth or whatever you want to say. Um, also, Crescent and the other AFAB beings wear black wigs or what he thinks are wigs, maybe as a way to make themselves more appealing to David, more familiar, more human-like. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're still going through like they had a really bad lice outbreak. <laughs> and they, were like, they had to shave their heads. I have to go with Merkins. <laughs> Wait. That's 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 the one for your crotch, right? Yeah, I'm just saying they might have that too. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't see anything about that, but who knows? I don't know. Body wig, body wig. So, uh, not too long after David's incident in the woods with Crescent, he left Georgia to study art um, at the Art Student League in New York City. Uh, during this time, David was still having encounters with various beings, and each morning he would hear a voice that would say, "We'll be back tonight." pretty ominous yeah that is ominous mm-hmm. so unable to tell if he was like dreaming or not he tried a little experiment uh he went to a florist and got flowers for crescent and he was decided you know if i'm dreaming they'll be there in the morning so as per the usual uh crescent and the other beings came to him in the night and he pointed to the flowers and were like those are for you in the morning the flowers were gone what? Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so the day after that he said he went even further and cleaned his apartment as if he was having guests. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make it look good. Gotta clean that toilet, guys. <laughs> clean it. God, uh, just clean it. Please stop. Sit down when you pee. It doesn't matter what you got. It's so much easier. It's comfy. It's yeah. nice. Just do it. He doesn't fly up I onto know. people's toothbrushes and stuff. I, Jesus, what is going on with the people with penises around you? Just saying like when it when you're going from a distance and it goes and it's like (laughs) is that what it does it you know the the noise the deeper noise when the pee hits from a distance the water and then like there's mist why why does the pee that you're describing sound like the 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 enemies in power rangers the putty yeah yeah. (laughs) it's because it's strong pee don't pee directly into the giant thing of water yeah you you pee at the sides Anyway, just sit down when you pee. It don't matter. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So when asked about it, David puts his interactions with Crescent in a relationship context, even at one point calling her his girlfriend. Okay. 
He says when they have sex, Crescent is always on top of him, and he is usually in a state of paralysis when this happens. Mm. He also notes that the insect being is always watching. Wait, what? From the barn? Yeah. Yeah. With a long cigarette. (laughs) (sighs) I like this part. (laughs) This is nice. David said during this time he was having some dates with humans, but nothing ever came of any of them. Um, Yeah, I feel like if he started the date with like, so I have this girlfriend, you know, we're open. It's not, you know, anything, but she does come by sometimes and paralyze me and fuck me. And just a heads up that could happen while you're here staying. This is some strange foreshadowing on your part. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I'm good. So uh, we're not getting to it yet, but uh, with one of his more intense experiences, David uh, learned that he fathered over uh, or fathered up to 50 or more alien human babies. Hmm. Crescent came to him one night through a portal uh, distraught about a baby dying. David, uh, despite her refusal, crossed over into the portal and saw the baby they were talking about and touched the baby, jolting it back to life. He says he remembers feeling a sensation akin to static shock. This led to another being showing him a room full of babies that which he would learn to his shock and maybe horror that he had fathered. They were all like in this wall of glass boxes, he said. Wait, they were just like. like, They were, you know, you know, like in the ICU unit unit where you have a baby in the box. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that kind of vibe. Wait, so but they were all the same age babies. They were just like, you know what we're going to do? Well, we don't know how many they carry at once. Yeah, that's true. We don't know the alien, like the their anatomy and their biology. She and gave shit. birth to 25 the first time, <laughs> 25 the second time. Oh my goodness. I mean, they, so to, to answer your question, I'm not sure of the ages of all the babies. Um, that information wasn't really there, nor did he really give it. He just said he saw a wall of babies. <laughs> so yeah, that is, that is perplexing. But that is what he said. Okay. Uh, and then, like, 12 years later, he got a serve notice. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> Biggest <laughs> fucking child, child support, support check. <laughs> like, fuck! And went to alien jail forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, similarly to a lot of other abductee stories, David went most of his life not really remembering all this stuff, uh, at least not fully. Uh, per my sources, he says it started coming back to him in the August of uh, 1987. At this point, he was married and did have a child and was living a pretty chill-ass life. Hmm. But... That's when I was born. I'm just excited. Oh, maybe, maybe you're David's alien baby. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh-oh. Dump, dump. Let you, let you unpack that while I finish my facts. Yeah, I'm just going to stare off for a moment. <laughs> so... At this point, his memories started coming back to him slowly and uh, causing a lot of like distress for him. Unsure what to do or why he was feeling like an unseen presence in his home, David felt pretty at lost until he found this book by a person named Bud Hopkins. Uh, it was a book called Intruders. And it documented the abductions of other people and jolted his memory specifically of Crescent. Uh, around this time is when he got the idea to do paintings. The beings came to him, all gathered around him, and said, let David do paintings. After getting up the nerve to do so, he just couldn't stop. Like, he was prolifically painting in scenes of his encounters. Uh, David eventually told his wife about his experiences and his relationship with Crescent. As you might suspect, uh, she acted like, yeah, like you probably expect. 
telling him he was crazy and didn't want to hear it. And unfortunately, they divorced soon after that. Mm. Otherwise, these experiences don't seem to have a negative effect on him, at least anymore, um, from what I, you know, what he said. Uh, he is not sure where the beings are from, whether they're space, a different dimension, whatever. He doesn't know. Um, New Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to learn about more about David Huggins and his work, uh, check out the documentary Love and Saucers by Brad Abrams. It's fucking choice. Mwah. Like, I'm, I love a good documentary, and I think it does so many things really well. And, like, you know how in a lot of documentaries, it's like, twist, and it's a really sad fucking ending. Like, it didn't do that, which was nice. And they also present it in a way that doesn't make him, doesn't, it's not exploiting or making fun of him. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was really cool. But I was talking to Jim about this. This could be a fun patron reward to do a movie review episode. Oh, yeah. Riff tracks. Yeah, well, yeah. probably not riff tracks on this one. Not but a riff track. There are some riff tracks that I there, think we should do. There's some riff tracky kind of stuff, but this one isn't it. Yeah. Like, Puma man. Puma, Puma, Puma man. Puma man. Puma man. Puma man. But yeah, like I think yeah, we should watch this and kind of get our thoughts on it. I think it'd be a really cool special episode. Um, there is also a book called Love and Alien Purgatory by Farah Yurdozo, featuring David's art. Yurdozo. Um, but yeah, during the documentary, David was in the process of writing a movie script about his experiences. So keep an eye out for that. Um, the last thing I got about this is in an article I read, it said something along the lines of, if we discover aliens are real, the next question is going to be, can we have sex with them? And well, I ask you all, do aliens fuck and do they fuck us? The answer is yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> The end. No, nope. well, thanks, guys. Tunes full. Um, you know, <laughs> see you later. As always, thank you for listening. No <laughs> way. <laughs> of course, they fuck us, and we fuck them. Oh yeah. There's one thing that humans are good at: it's finding something to fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see they found like a? Oh gosh, how old? It's gonna not be relevant now, but a really ancient fucking dildo, like really ancient. The one I know about, it's about 30,000 years old. I think that's the one yeah. I saw too. Like, so we, we've been trying to fuck all sorts of shit for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't they call it a, 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 like a cucumber statue or something? They called it something like, yeah, this is a, a carved cucumber that they, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're so I, artistic. So, my, the cold open that I want to do is going to be around that. So, just, oh, okay. it's a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I love that. I'm into it. All That'll right. Be next time. So, are we ready for this story? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, this story is called "Missing Time" by Dimitri underscore Storm, and I found it on literotica.com. It's all one word, literotica. Okay. Whitney Strand tossed and turned in bed next to her husband Andrew. They should have been here by now. She turned and laid on her back, staring at the ceiling. It had never been on her time, if she was honest, always on theirs, but she felt she was entitled to feel a little impatient. Every 28 days or so, since Whitney had turned 18, the visitors arrived to steal her away. Whether she was in college, in her own apartment, or staying over at someone else's place, they'd appear at her bedside, staring with their huge, soulless eyes. But was this it? 
After eight years, was it over? They had missed last month. If they missed again, that would confirm it in her mind. They were done with her. Whitney dug her fingers into the mattress and waited, either for the visitors or sleep, whichever came first. And then, as she was about to get up to stare out the window, Whitney's room filled with a familiar blue light. She smiled and rose up in bed, letting the sheets fall away from her bare torso. Slowly moving towards her and Andrew were three small creatures in shiny vinyl jumpsuits. Each wore a different color, a small detail Whitney was almost positive they did so that she had some way to tell them apart. One read, <laughs> Just imagine the aliens being like, we know you're racist, so, <laughs> so we went ahead and did this, <laughs> even though it's kind of fucked up, but... <laughs> You good? Yeah, sorry. I can kind of like I ha- when I'm get it close enough to really read it, then I can also kind of see like through it. So it's, it's I, it makes my eyes go silly. Okay, some way to tell them apart: one red, one blue, one yellow. Huge black eyes that always reminded her of windows into some bottomless chasm stared at her intently. Finally, she thought, with the tiniest hint of annoyance, knowing they could hear it. I'm sorry. Goddamn aliens. <laughs> Hurry the fuck up and Hurry fuck me. Oh, I'm so horny. <laughs> can't hold it. I literally I, look forward to this my, every month. My husband ain't gonna do it. <laughs> Finally, she thought, with the tiniest hint of annoyance, knowing they could hear it. They used... <laughs> Sorry. It's even better than knowing they could hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Get over yourself, Karen. We're coming, all right? <laughs> Jesus. They used to paralyze her and then control her body like she was nothing but a puppet. But they didn't waste ener- energy on that. But they didn't waste energy on any of that anymore. Not when she was so willing and eager to do whatever they asked. Whitney's fucking thirsty for this alien D. Horny. <laughs> must be pretty good. It must Apparently. be good. Yeah. The three visitors approached her and Whitney stepped out of bed, dropping to her knees in front of them. Tiny hands moved up and down her body, one set of hands caressing and pinching her breasts, another exploring her inner thighs and beginning to play with her cunt. The last stroking her hair as if to soothe her. Sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty good. Sounds mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. Whitney bit her lip, but otherwise stayed perfectly still as they examined her and toyed with her. She was about to be taken again, and her entire body craved for it to begin. Red held out a metallic collar, with a series of clicks secured it around Whitney's neck. A beam of light formed from the collar, and Red grabbed hold of it. Red tugged, and obediently Whitney rose to her feet. Red pulled again, and Whitney followed him. She looked at Andrew as she was guided past him, and saw he was snoring, oblivious to the journey his wife was about to take. That was a fucking, sorry, I'm I'm getting really interrupty, but like, all this shit's happening, that dude ain't awake, he ain't waking up. No, that's what they say with abductions, like, it's almost like time has stopped for everyone else besides. But he is snoring, so. <laughs> I, they got a sleep ray. <laughs> I'm, I'm snoring so loud, I can't hear the alien BDSM outside my bed. <laughs> Set phasers to sleep through weird sex. 
Anyway, I apologize for <laughs> interruption, but I couldn't help but get that out of my craw. Oh, it was better this way. Andrew was a wonderful husband, but he didn't understand the visitors. Didn't really believe that they were anything other than a vivid nightmare his wife had. Whitney blew him a kiss silently and continued to follow Red towards the window. Bye. Where, <laughs> where, where Blue and Yellow waited for them. Blue touched Whitney's forehead and then the four of them floated up through the air, effortless, weightless, free. She felt the wind on her face and body as she kept drifting towards her destination, the large silver disc silently hovering above her home. Whitney smiled as the disc grew larger and larger. Whitney walked behind the visitors, still led by Red, the metal floor of their craft freezing her bare feet. They passed through a long corridor, the walls decorated with pictograms Whitney still could not decipher. She felt her nipples perk up, both from the cold air and from anticipation of what came next. You know, as nipples do. Yeah. You keep reading. Ooh. My nipples are anticipating. I'm going to hold all my comments to the end. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah, kind of feels is that like that's that probably works? not. Yeah, yeah. I do feel a little bit like a balloon about the burst. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even give her slippers. Ridiculous. Wait, I mean, she could wear socks. She knew it was going to happen. Yeah, I know yeah, why she's done she this so many more. times. <laughs> I mean, like, she could have put on some lingerie, also some cozy socks, you know, fucking did it right. One of those, like, long, like, you know, in the 50s, how the women wear and they had, like, really the fluffy long, stuff on yep, them. Yeah. Long cigarette, like, <laughs> about time. <laughs> None of them said or thought a word to her, which wasn't out of the ordinary. They usually let their captain communicate with her. Whitney and her friends turned one corner and finally, they were there, the examination room. A metal table in a metal room, no other furniture, no decorations. Whitney appreciated the simplicity and the focus of the room, had one single purpose it was used for. She had spent so many nights here, prodded, probed, shackled, and pleasured. Her first orgasm had occurred here, on this exact table, and she smiled thinking of thinking of how few people could say they'd return so often to the side of their own first time. Red, blue, and yellow guided Whitney to the table and then helped her onto it as the leash retracted back into her collar. Whitney lay down, for the second time tonight staring up at a ceiling. She heard the comforting click as her strengths at her wrists and ankles were secured and, giving a sigh of satisf satisfaction, closed her eyes. It was about to begin. Whitney heard a mechanical whirring, and with no other warning, she felt two metal tentacles enter her ass and pussy. A few seconds Whoa. right into it. <laughs> right into it. There no. was no going around the bend. It was just like, yeah. gas. No lube, no nothing. Just right in yep, there. That's how it works. Oh, I like to imagine it was, it self lubes. Uh -huh. yeah. A few Maybe she's just very ready. S super, she, super before they got there she did like the lube injector <laughs> was like I, good on her yeah <laughs> a few seconds later a third erupted from the table and filled her mouth the three alternated moving in and out of her holes the whole time buzzing and whirring whitney loved andrew he was a good man he was a good lover but nothing could compare to this this endless penetration by three long appendages this constant stimulation and attention to her body, as she was completely helpless to move in resistance or ecstasy, completely at the mercy of the table and its tentacles. And all the while, 
the three visitors just stared intensely, their massive black eyes taking in the sight of Whitney and doing absolutely nothing else. They watched like she was a TV show, a spectacle to view and not participate in. The tentacle in her mouth pushed further in, and Whitney coughed on it, and Whitney did what she could to open her throat further for it. She clenched around the two in her ass and cunt, respectively, wanting more, wanting this to never stop. That's some pretty good Kegel muscles you got there or whatever. She's been putting in the work. Apparently. Whitney felt an orgasm building in her body, and right before that release, the three tentacles retreated out of her. Gasping, shaking, Whitney whimpered. Blue walked to the table and cleaned the fluids off of the tentacles, scraping them into three separate vials. When Blue was done, the three tentacles retracted with another word. Still shackled to the table, Whitney moved her hips, desperate to be fucked more. She looked desperately as much as she could around the cold, clinical room. And then, the prayers Whitney didn't even know she had been offering up were answered. She heard the sound of boots on the metal floor. Turning her head, she saw him. Calkin. Calkin? Calkin. 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 Calkin? Calkin? Calkin. Calkin. Macaulay Calkin. Macaulay Calkin. Just a fun aside. Did you know that his legal name is Macaulay Macaulay Calkin? Calkin. Yes. Yes. <sighs> Wonderful. It's a national treasure. Love it. Okay. While red, blue, and yellow were totally, well, alien looking, Calkin was something else. He was a tall, well built man who appeared to be in his late 20s. He had long blonde hair that fell on the shoulders of his silver jumpsuit and piercing blue eyes that, though larger than a normal human's, were not the massive black holes of his crew. His eyes seemed like milky blue portals into a world of peace and tranquility, a hypnotic gaze that Whitney was addicted to since she first saw them eight years ago. Hello, Whitney. Calkin said in his smooth voice, smiling down at her. Calkin pushed a button on the table and the restraints unshackled. Whitney felt herself floating off of it and then rotating so she hovered in the air, looking down at the floor. She knew without testing she was helpless still, paralyzed in the air and waiting for Calkin to use her. Calkin rubbed his hands down her back, stopping at her ass cheeks and squeezing them. Whitney was desperate to come now and had no way to show that with her body or voice. But of course... Calkin knew. He liked seeing her like this. Are you ready for me, little... Are you ready for me, little one? Are you ready for me to enter you again? A pinch of her left nipple. Mentally, Whitney screamed, Yes! Unsure if her thoughts could be read while she was paralyzed like this. Please, fuck me now. Fuck me however you want. Please! Calkin entered her already wet pussy and began fucking her slowly taking his time, even teasing her. Do you want just me, Whitney? Or do you need more than that tonight? Whitney wanted more. The feeling of the table penetrating all of her orifices left her craving for more. Whitney was able to form a small sound, begging and pathetic. On cue, Yellow brought a small box and lay it in front of her. Another tentacle-like thing emerged from it. The ones from the table were mechanical, but this thing was organic and moved in a very organic way. 
It rose to Whitney's mouth and, pushing at her lips, forced its way into her. Calkin's cock and this prehensile warm thing fucked her mouth and cunt, pushing her back and forth between them. Whitney moved between them, entirely at their will, having no control over her body. She loved this. Calkin had been her secret lover since she had first become an adult. He knew exactly how to pleasure her, exactly how to move her. No one had ever compared to him, to those eyes filled with dreams and lust. Calkin pushed in, deeper and deeper, with more and more intensity. Whitney wanted to scream out, and her thoughts were too focused on the double penetration to do anything but enjoy the sensation. So she hovered in the air, open, frozen, desperate. Finally, Calkin and Whitney came at the same time. She felt his cum inside her. His good... <laughs> What about the tentacle? <laughs> Poor tentacles oh, in his little box. Out. <laughs> box tentacle. She felt his cum inside her. His cum had this per- his cum had this peculiar crackling energy. The best analogy was pop rocks inside of her, and came with feelings of sedation and euphoria. Ugh. I mean, it might be good. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm. Re- <laughs> I don't feel like putting pop rocks in my butt, but it's an interesting idea. Yeah. Just don't get a yeast infection. Whitney felt herself regain control of her muscles as Calkin took her in his arms. He touched the collar around her neck with affection. That's me. I missed you, Whitney said, looking up at him lovingly. I know you did. We're always watching you. He replied. From anyone else, that would have been terrifying, but Calkin had been with her for so long that it sounded romantic and comforting. Did it. <laughs> <laughs> Did it. <laughs> but why were you late then, she asked. Why didn't I see you last month? Calkin frowned. He turned around, still holding her in his arms. So they were facing the wall of the room, which had at some point become a huge screen. Blue worked at some sort of terminal, and the screen showed scenes of destruction and chaos. Whitney saw mushroom clouds, ruined buildings. She saw people turning to dust where they stood. She couldn't tell where on earth this was, but she knew it was her home planet. This is your planet right now, Calkin told her. One weapon was fired, and within seconds they were all gone. Each of your tribes assumed it was one of their enemies. Within ten minutes, every piece of land with humans was affected. Calkin ran his fingers through her hair. You have no home to return to. What the fuck? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to have some words about this, I think. (laughs) Tears ran down Whitney's face. Everyone's gone? Calkin replied. Within days, yes, they will all be gone. So what about me? Where do I go now? With you? Whitney had asked Calkin many times to stay with him, to finally be with him more than once every month. Maybe now, that she had nowhere else to go, he would finally agree. This is why I didn't see you last month, Calkin told her. I made a case before the ruling council. Your species is still considered too underdeveloped for the larger galactic society. So what's going to happen to me, she asked, with a little more intensity, clinging tightly to his arms. Sorry, I just read ahead. Okay. 
I could not get you I could not get you citizenship, Calkin said, brushing her hair. But they agreed to grant you status as a comfort animal. Whitney considered this as she th- <laughs> Whitney considered this as she thought, Calkin said, All right. Not yuck and yums. Here we go. You would be an animal, a pet. I would keep you leashed and caged. You would be alive, but you would lose any rights as an intelligent being. Whitney thought of curling up in a cage, waiting for Calkin to come use her. She thought of never again being treated as anything but an animal, a pet, like he said. And she realized since she first met him, this was all she wanted. She thought of his firm hands, how he had always made her feel safe and protected. She thought of how he had always treated her with affection, and how the affection had always felt like she was his pet. Yes, of course, Whitney stretched upward to kiss him. It was strange how perfect the idea was. How it was something she had always silently craved since that first night years ago, without ever putting it into words. She wanted Calkin to own her, completely and totally. Calkin smiled at her. The collar you wear now will never leave your neck, and from now on you are my comfort animal. He set her down on the floor. The leash again emanated from her collar, landing in Red's hand. The obedience training will begin tomorrow. My crew will teach you exactly what I want from you. For now, get some sweet. Get some sleep, sweet girl. Red led her on all fours as her new life demanded. Whitney crawled after him. Red guided her to a metallic cage in a room off to the side of the exam room. Obediently, Whitney crawled in and curled up. Tomorrow was the first day of the rest of her life. <laughs> All right, so I know it's fantasy, and yeah. there's a lot of like leash play BDSM. Yeah, I, I get it. Like, I get it. It's almost, playing in, almost puppy play. Yeah, it's playing like, into yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I would say how it got there feels it doesn't make sense. Bad. Well, like, oh, your your whole planet they dead, they gone. You 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 are you're basically my uh. My therapy animal or whatever, you know, when people bring them on play. So that's mm-hmm. what you are now. I, I know it plays into a kink, and I, I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yums, but it did feel like a rocky, rocky landing to it get felt, there. It felt very fast Yeah. to get there. Not yeah, only that, that but, like, literally she never said anything about, like, Andrew's dead what about my family what about andrew my life yeah (laughs) my husband who i said i loved i guess i'll just give it all up to yeah honestly all of it i could i I can go with it's the cage part that actually bothered me more than anything like that is part of puppy play though it is it's a big part it's just like this is very literal. It's not like, I'm going to keep you in a cage sometimes. It's like, yeah. no, you live in this cage from that, now that on. Does, that it's does get dicey, yeah. yeah. Like, it it borders on, like, enslavement. No, it absolutely is master-slave. Yeah. yeah. Part of BDS. I, I mean, which like, I don't personally get, but, yeah. but I, obviously some people I do. I definitely don't yuck that yum. Like, that's no. fine. I just, 
I like it to kind of keep the fantasy side of it and yeah, not necessarily like, like 24 7 forever that's yeah. the part where i'm like oh. and kind of when i said enslavement i meant like literal not like kink scenes no yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's just like you live in a barred box but see that i guess that's part of the story too like it is literal in the story but yeah. it's a story so like people can get their like yeah the rocks off to it but obviously Go yeah, on to and again, we're not here to yuck yums. It's just like you know, I think there are bits of this that it's just like mm, it was it was rough getting there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, not only that, but oh my god! Did you just get the thing? I did. I'm trying to do it, but it won't pop up. There. What What are y'all doing? What what it's you... so silly because <laughs> you're the only person on this with me. So I'm literally sending it to you. It's this uh new app called oh, I'll I'm not even gonna say it. what it is because I don't want to give them advertising. Yeah, y'all are kind of forgetting we're doing a podcast. Oops. Yeah, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> nah, it's fine. Anyway, um I tried to get everybody else on there, but you were the only one who was like, Yeah, okay, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I I grow weary of the social media I have. I just haven't this talked is, to you about it. This is different. This is just your friends. I don't. No extra. I don't want no more social media. I'm so Fine. tired of it. Get rid of Facebook and get this. Anywho. <laughs> let's. All right. This is the end of the show. Yeah, but like, oh. there's another thing that I don't, that I don't understand. Like, the earth is in flames. The earth is in flames. <laughs> just start the whole thought process over. You're so far away. Sorry. Okay, so there's something I don't understand. The earth is in flames. So they, they take Whitney up. All is well. Whitney's up there. She gets fucked by the table. Then Calkin. And then she's like, why weren't you here last month? And he's like, oh, because I was trying to get you citizenship, mm-hmm. but I couldn't because the earth is in flames. It, there the was timeline an implic- does not fucking make sense. I, I'm assuming it's like playing with either they saw some sort of future thing, like they could. They, they know what's going to happen. Know, maybe they see outside time mm-hmm. or some nonsense. I don't know. Or they knew it was going to happen based off of them watching humanity and were like, oh, this shit's about to go down. Yeah, like maybe mm-hmm. it happened somewhere else starting and then it was progressing. Okay. And he's like, it's progressing. It's going to get you very soon. Because okay. didn't he say like, it will, everyone will be dead in a few days. Yeah. Kind of vibe. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah. radiation is yeah. raining across the earth. Yeah. Also, I want to point out this, this story had both small grace which mm-hmm. is a type, and then also tall whites, or what is also known as like Nordic aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess technically, uh, the David Huggins his experiences also had those two types of aliens. Well, see, but tall whites look very much like humans. Well, Crescent looked like a human except for the face, like had a human body. Yeah, but she was wearing a long black wig. Like tall whites have natural blonde hair. Okay, okay. So yeah, that's why I'm black. like, or maybe it's a wig because. She was covering up her natural blonde hair. Who knows? With a black wig. She liked that look better. Maybe. Maybe she's goth. I will say. (laughs) (laughs) I got a chuckle out of both of you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, now I'm like, is is Thor a... A tall white? A tall white? Is that kind of... I mean, he is literally a tall white, but that's (laughs) that's a whole other thing. Yeah. 
I don't know. The, the <laughs> idea of there being a tall white race of aliens that are clearly in charge and then like small Ooh. gray aliens just makes feels, me get a little. Oh, no. Like Nordic aliens definitely have like a, a very like Aryan mm-hmm. race sort of feel to mm-hmm. them. You know, for sure. that that kind of like not to like draw this out too much, but like there's definitely we're, some. We're only at 49 minutes. Sweet. Um, draw us, there's, baby. There's definitely some cryptids that do that. I think you and I, Jim, need to kind of chat about before we do it because I think, like, the way that I pictured this is like, you know, we talk about a monster and then we do a sexy thing. And, like, depending on like how that goes in the story and stuff, like, it almost could feel like glorifying that monster because it's like, well, now we're gonna fuck. But, like, if the monster or their origins is problematic, like, you know what I mean? So, like, reptilians for instance like there's a lot of stuff about them that's very QAnon like conspiracy shit tied to them we'll talk about it later but it was one that's been like rattling around in my brains like how to do that but not glorify toxic shit yeah but yeah we we can chat about it but like yeah there's there's some not not a lot but there's some cryptids it's just like yeah, and if they're like an Aryan race of aliens, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll, mean, we'll talk. We'll figure it out. There's so many different types of aliens, though. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there we can have some aliens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of my thing. Like, I'm like, well, you just pick a story that's related but not that toxic thing. Mm-hmm. The, the problem that I had is that I really wasn't finding, I thought that, I was just going to be tripping over alien stories, but I, I really didn't find a whole lot hmm. that weren't like aliens that were like characters that mm-hmm. we all know that are like yeah. copyright yeah. characters. And I was like, like ah. Thor. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Thor. Yeah. yeah. And the xenomorph and they I had, kiss. I had amazing, <laughs> I found an amazing story about Captain Kirk and, uh, mm-hmm. and Spock. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that was just that... beautiful. There's a lot of Spock and Kirk slash fiction. Look, I'm just saying we could change some names and play around <laughs> with some things. <laughs> Captain Irk and Cap- but Captain Jerk. <laughs> Cap- Captain Jerk and, sp- and Spunk. Spunk. <laughs> Mr. Spunk. <laughs> Dr. Spunk. Yes, Captain. I know Bones, his name stays the same. I mean, same, yeah, right? it's, oh, it's already there. <laughs> yeah. There's um, oh my gosh, Sarah and I have been watching this channel. I'm gonna pronounce this person's name wrong, so I I apologize. On YouTube, it's called uh, this person. His name is Allison Pergel, Pergel, Pregler, Pregler, Pregler. I don't know. Pregler not. But, but <laughs> Am they, I pregnant? But they, <laughs> but they do these like what they call manic episodes where they deep do a deep dive and do a synopsis of like Star Trek and other shows. But it's very good, very funny. They talk about a specific episode of the next gen uh, where Crusher is like haunted by a ghost in a candle. Yes. The dumb candle. <laughs> um, anyway, you should check it out. I'll send you some links. I like I like that one. It's it's so bad. It's like, very bad. So I used to think that that uh now I can't remember her name, but like the the actress that played Dr. Crusher was not a good actress but she, she has is a really good name i'm trying to remember what it, it is. is a really good name go on but but she is actually a really great actor it's just i think that she had like kind of like some bad like scenes 
that they're yeah. like, okay, act this out. And like, there's literally no way to act out like this horrible, like horribly written scene without yeah. it looking bad. I mean, she's at the whim of the script, right? Yeah. Like she can't, but like when, when you get when when she when you get her more subtle scenes, like her face acting is excellent. Mm. Like she really can show like surprise and then straight into like disappointment or shock. You know, like it's really good. But yeah, that one particular one where she's where she's uh, possessed, Possess- like it is is not a great it one is, for her, unfortunately. Is, yeah, that that episode it's wacky as shit. Um. But yeah, all righty. I think I think it's time to call it right. Until we find this name. Yeah, I'm trying to. It, it, my internet was crashing, mm. or not internet. My my thing wouldn't search. Hold on. Okay, I finally got IMDb opened up. Gates McFadden. Yes, Gates McFadden. Oh, I knew it was a good name. It was, was a good name. In my head, I kept thinking Col- uh, Colby Smolders or whatever. Colby Smolders. Just another great name actress. She was on... Um, Smolders is an excellent last mm-hmm. name. Colby mm-hmm. Smolders. Uh, she was on um, How I Met Your Mother and then also in a bunch of the Marvel things. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, I, I guess we did forget before we get to the outro. Would y'all be a BDSM sex person for... I don't want to use... The other word, it's not great. Calkin for, for cal- Calkin, Calkin. Um, I love BDSM as far as like the bondage aspect and the mm-hmm. dom aspect. Um, the I, leash was a nice touch. I do like the leash. Um, I I don't. I think a cage could maybe be fun for a little bit, but not. But then you have an for, actual bed to yeah, go to. Later. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not really into like the whole like master slave. Mm-hmm. aspect I, I don't i'm not into that and i don't like um i don't really into like puppy play too much yeah like i guess a leash would be considered that but like i don't want to go work work or anything yeah. like that you know yeah, so. yeah, yeah yeah i think like i like the leash i like a leash but like i don't necessarily want need it to be like a a, a leash that usually is used on an animal per se yeah but that's as far as i personally enjoy I kind of like the idea of like being completely at someone's mercy, at least for that, for mm-hmm. the sexy part, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would get down with Calcum, but like not forever, just yeah. like maybe a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one that holds the leash most of the time. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I would be like, Calcum, no, no, put me back on the dying earth. I'm not your fucking puppy, <laughs> you weird asshole. I couldn't get you citizenship. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I think that... You don't have to keep me in a cage on the ship. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that that that's the thing. I think the, the thorn in my side about the story, it's like, okay, you couldn't get this person's citizenship, but you should talk to them about whether they want to live in a cage or not because there needs to be the consent aspect. Because like she, she doesn't have to live in the cage. She just doesn't have like rights, which is still fucked up. I guess he no, kind but he of, knows. Yeah, he kind of asked. I mean, uh, he asked if you wanted to stay here. Yeah, which it's either I mean, that or go to the Earth that is dying. Die. Yeah, it's not a great. But, yeah. but here's the thing: he also knows, like he knows yeah, her yeah. her thoughts and her wants, so he knows that that's what she wants. I mean, and she it would does be say, nice to I've ask. I wanted this. Yeah, not assume. 
True. Unless he's a mind reader. I don't know. He is. No, but he's technically yeah. yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. I must have fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this story just didn't hit our kinks. And so it didn't flow with us. But I, I don't think there's necessarily a, like an inherently wrong thing with the story or anything. I guess. I guess. <laughs> Joyce right. is like debatable. There, there's, <laughs> there's no need to debate. Alrighty, alrighty. Special thanks for listening. <laughs> find us on Twitter at LaughsPod, L-A-F-S-P-O-D. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Love at First Sighting. Um, I just heard that we have been shadow banned on both, so please share us out. You will have to type our names exactly in both those social medias, but please share with our friends to get us uh, out there and get a bigger audience for us. So we love doing this, but we could use the the help and support. Um, speaking of which, leave a review, please, on any of your pod catchers or whatever you call them. Um, you know, that helps us get more likes and listens and stuff, which is great. We have a website, uh, lafspod.com. You can find about us. You can find a cryptid cupid submission form where you can send us writing, feedback, or someone else's stuff. We got a Patreon. Speaking of support, uh, if you would donate even the smallest amount, we'll give you shout outs and all our love and gratitude and shit that will help this uh, labor of lust keep going. Um, and I'll finally be able to buy shoes. Coco needs some shoes, baby. Coco <laughs> needs some shoes. Needs some shoes for them feet. <laughs> for his baby's feet. Yeah. It's hard to be a dom without shoes. <laughs> how are you going to, how are you going to step on something without shoes? Yeah. <laughs> Not the same. <laughs> Papa need a new leash. <laughs> um, did I forget anything? I don't know. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those fun things. Please, please, please. Um, but yeah, watch Shadow Sweeties. Stay horny, babes. I mean, try out a leash. Like, you don't have to just say no, no, no. Like, give it a shot. It could be fun. I don't know. You do, you don't have to bark, but you could try it. Yeah. Try it out. Try new things. Try new things. Oh, I love you. God. <laughs>